Because of the coronavirus epidemic and to respect social distancing guidelines, this episode of Civil Politics was recorded remotely over Zoom. Good evening, and welcome to Civil Politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP 103.3 FM in Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm again, not Michael Dow, and I'm here with not Michael Dow and also not Michael Dow. <laughs> genre, I'm here with Sue Timberlake and friend of the show, special guest, Dan Torres. Welcome, Dan. Thank you. Um, we are going to spend the show uh, talking about the January 6th report. Now, this is the, uh, if you remember, I don't know if everybody remembers or not, there was this little thing, January 6th, that happened in uh, 2021. Um, and uh, there was a whole, like, House Select Committee about it, and they presented a ton of evidence. And, and uh, this is basically the compilation of all of the information. So Dan and Sue have been poring over this book that was released. The book of all the compilation of all the findings uh, was released in December of last year. And they've been doing a lot of work uh, trying to understand and everything. And so I am able to come here and listen to them because I did not read it. Because <laughs> I knew they were way smarter than me and would understand way more about it. So I am your window into their intelligence how about that that that'll work oh my I'm god not, i'm oh not good god. at at, uh, at i'm not as good at hosting as mike um uh, mike is not feeling well tonight uh so he is unfortunately not able to to join us so um just I think he a, just didn't hmm? he didn't want to read the 734 pages of the report how he's kidding him <laughs> and there are only like five pictures I don't get it. I, I, I'm more of a, of a spot run, spot run, spot run kind of guy, you know? Like, this is way over my head. Way, way, way. Well, I was trying to keep up with Dan Torres because, you know, he does all kinds of things. And oh, uh, nobody can. So um, <laughs> just wow. so everybody knows, before we really get into the meat of it, a couple things. Firstly, Dan Torres. You are coming to us. Uh, you are a producer of Talk the Talk on WHMP, and that airs like week weekdays nine to eleven in the morning and four to six at night. And you're the host of uh, Collateral Banter uh, podcast online. And links to all that will be in the description and on the website. So thanks so much for for coming on and helping us out with this. Well, thanks for having me. It's always a treat. Uh, also, uh, if you guys want to get in touch with us and comment on whatever we're saying or just, you know, tell Dan how awesome he is, then you can. You can email us. That's contact at civilpoliticsradio.com. Uh, you can go on Twitter. That's at civilpoliticsfm. And you can go on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash civilpoliticsradio. And you can also go to civilpoliticsradio.com. There you're going to find... Uh, older episodes of the show no i i'm sorry classic episodes of the show <laughs> um you'll find uh, our web only discussions uh called civil politics supplementals i believe one features you dan which is really cool yeah. and uh yeah it's a it, it, there's also a uh a, a news search 
that employs specifically the new sources that we employ on the show. So trusted news search, search uh, if you are interested in that. Um, a few things that we uh, just wanted to touch on. Um, there was the strike in LA, uh, the LA school system. Um, like tens of thousands of people went on strike. Uh, there is the um, whole hullabaloo. I wanted to use that word uh, in France um, over the uh, extension of the retirement age. And oh, my God, that's insane. But that's still ongoing. And we will learn more about the strike and everything over the next few days. So we're going to push that off till next week. And tonight is all about the January 6th. So, Dan, um, can you give us an overview of the January 6th report? It's going to be a challenge to do. But before <laughs> I kind of explain all of it, I wanted to say, after I read the report, um, not just the executive summary, the actual report, mm -hmm. what, I, what I learned was that we should stop calling it January 6th, and we should step back and think about it as a process that began before the November 2020 election and led up to January 6th. Mm. And I think that that, when you conceptualize that uh, political, let's say, process, you begin to understand that January 6th is a culmination of a bunch of uh, decisions made by President Trump and his allies within the Republican Party and lawyers that supported his vision and online uh, supporters as well, that it was an attempt to undermine the democratic election and democratic process. But don't take my word for it. Take US District Judge <laughs> David Carter's word. Here's how he described it. And I think this is correct. Mm -hmm. He called it a campaign to overturn, to overturn a democratic election, an action unprecedented in American history. It was a coup in search of a legal theory. And according to him, it violated two federal laws, at least. So, uh, you know, that's what I learned It's that, you know, I keep calling it January 6th, like, oh, this is the big event that everybody's going to remember. But when you read the report, you really learn, no, it actually started months beforehand. And there were a lot of decisions being made by individuals uh, feuding with each other within the government that led up to January 6th. And so like that to me, really, at least broadly speaking, explains um what was, uh, you know, what really happened on January 6th. We call it January 6th, but this mm. report goes into depth. But it really starts off with the way the Republicans um, knew that on election night in 2020, they were going to be ahead. And they called it the red mirage. And what this means is that the Republicans were going to be ahead because they voted on election night. And so they could discredit the election process by saying, look, we were ahead election night. And then as you counted mail-in ballots and other ballots, drop-offs and everything else, the tide began to turn against mm. Republicans. So, and this was already known, even before the election, that this was going to happen. Um, so, you know, when you really start off with that process, you really begin to understand, okay, it starts with discrediting the votes. And then once, uh, once you're able to do that, you then needed to be confirmed that, in fact, this was a fake election and it was fraudulent, blah, blah, blah. So then you go to the courts because that's allowed. Everybody can go to the courts. Of course. And say, and say hey, this was a fraudulent election. 
and you need to tell the American people this was fraudulent. Um, and the truth is, uh, they went to court on 62 cases, and they had one minor win. Uh, 30 cases, almost half of them were dismissed. Uh, I'm sorry, 30 cases, almost half, dis were dismissed by a judge after a hearing on the merits. And just dismiss means it's just it's the judge just is frivolous. like, what are you doing here? What Get out. What are you out. doing here? Why are you talking? Like, Leave. You, you have no basis. There's no evidence. <laughs> Flee from my presence. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Leave my presence. And again, almost half the cases were determined this way. Um, at least 10 Trump-appointed judges also made these decisions as well. Um, so, so you see that it's not just a political partisan issue. It is the judges were telling them, you have no evidence and no proof. So when that happened, they went to what I call phase two of this process. And it was, let's intimidate the state legislatures that are controlled by Republicans in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina. The GOP were the majority party, I think, in all of those, uh, in all of those states. And they were able to put pressure on the state officials to either decertify, create new electors, do anything it took to undermine the uh, electoral process. Um, and, and again, anybody who within the Republican Party resisted the pressure by the president and uh, political officials um, who were in support of his vision to overturn the election, um, they were willing to call out state Republican officials. So this is, you know, this is basically a test of loyalty. Yeah, and there was a Donald whole Trump. thing going around with the legal, the legal theory going around that uh, there, there were the state legislatures could choose their own electors. Like there, there, there were talks about that, like going around, like um, exactly. Yep, yeah. and, and there were talks about that, but I, from what I could read, according to the report as well, that this isn't uh, legal in a lot of states. You can't just come back and say we're going to decertify or we're going to change the electoral uh electoral college uh rules electors electors yeah. yes uh, you can't just do that um whenever you decide that oh, we didn't we didn't agree with this election uh results <laughs> so let's go change it after the fact in order to decertify but i again i think it, what i understood it is as a test of loyalty to you know the trump uh, wing of the Republican Party. And it basically told all Republicans, either you come aboard or you're just as bad as the Democrats. Really, I think in their perspective, it is to say, these, these Republicans who didn't want to support us, they're the problem. They're as bad as the, you know, the hard left, the radical left. Sorry, finish your thought, please. No, it was just, I think that sort of extremism is... Uh, embedded in in the republican party today um and yet it, it's feuding with itself it doesn't know which direction it wants to go into and uh, but it's it's tough to overcome because all of the energy and money is among the more radical elements of in the republican party that believe the big lie that believe the what we call what i call the red mirage uh, they want to you know they want to believe that this was stolen from us and it's like who are we who do not necessarily <laughs> see politics the way they do to tell them that they are wrong well we have evidence they don't they have belief you know they have belief yeah. that this happened and they they were looking for the evidence anywhere so it was dominion voting machines created by venezuela and cuba anybody to undermine the validity of the election um, um 
yeah, go ahead. Let me let me break in here, and I, I want to bring Sue into this uh, because I'm I mean, listening. One, well, I mean, you know, you're <laughs> listening, but you know, you you got you got you got information to to share. Um, especially, I wanted to ask you: um, Did you feel that way? Did you feel like it? There was a loyalty test within the Republican oh, yeah. Party. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like even you it's felt like, it like living around here. Um, well, felt I felt it from people from elsewhere, not necessarily here in Western Mass, because Western Mass, at least the Valley's pretty, uh, pretty progressive and democratic. But yeah, and um, Dan, you you're doing a great job. I hadn't really thought about it the way you're thinking about it, and I I picked up two things that you you may we're going to get to, but the. Um, the, the, there was like seven parts of their plan, their coup plan, and you've you've mentioned almost all of them, but one you didn't mention, and that was they were trying to get it didn't happen. They're trying to get the FBI to to pick up the voting machines that they were going to take possession of them. That that was one of Trump's attempts was to uh, to actually get the military or somebody. They didn't know who they were trying to figure out who could who could go and pick up you know the machines. Or who could go out and pick up, you know, the um, the the boxes with the electors in it? It was sort of amazing the level of detail that Trump went to. I mean, he had this all planned out. And the last two steps, I they're not the steps you would call them probably, but interrupt the counting of votes, which was sort of the January sixth culmination you talked about. And the other thing was to hang Mike Pence. And that's I consider that a step unto itself, because if there was no vice president, there's nothing in the Constitution that says who else can count the votes. So it's you know, it's really mind boggling to see the I mean, this is I mean, this is a movie. This is this is made up in Hollywood. I I think it's partly because, you know, Trump lives in sort of reality TV. In fact, this week, you guys probably, I know you know this, but the, he was saying that he was going to be arrested on Tuesday and it didn't happen because yeah. he kind of just made it up. But he he needs that chaos. I mean, he has to call out, you know, send in the clowns because he can't have it be, you know, processes that follow a normal order or any he kind of regular send order. Anybody, and he's already there. <laughs> Well, he's trying to send send his, his guys him. into the. <laughs> <laughs> he feels bad about himself right now. I just know it. President Trump, I know you're listening. I know you listen every week. You're a doo doo head. Um. So. <laughs> By the way, I saw a great big Trump flag in Northampton this morning. It was it, it woke me up. I took a I took a route I don't usually take, and at the corner of Chestnut and Pine Street, there's a little tiny house, and it has a flag for Trump that's almost the size of the house. It's really, it's not really the size of the house, but it's, yeah. I was like, <laughs> aren't you? Um, I don't know whether that's brave. I don't know what that is. There's but, a fine you know, line between bravery and stupidity, and uh, uh, some people just live right on that line. Just live right there. Um, <laughs> so, I forget what I was gonna say. Too. Um, oh, I, I was gonna say that the uh, I was I was just gonna say that the se- the series finale of the of the Trump presidency was insane. Like you were talking about, like it's a Hollywood movie. I was like, that's the writers just wow, chef's kiss in in terms of just setting up like just the series finale and setting up like a, a sequel series. You know, like what what's gonna happen? You know, like um, Dan, 
Yeah. So no, I just wanted to mention um, a couple other things. Yeah, I didn't go through the yeah, full please. list. To, I didn't go through the full list of the process because they used the Department of Justice as well to that try to intimidate the states into either decertifying or changing the, the votes and to actually use the DOJ to, to tell the states, Arizona, uh, Georgia, Pennsylvania, that the voting was in fact corrupt and the, the results that you're trying to certify are actually under investigation. That was basically the letter that a guy, oh, the letter. Jeffrey Clark, yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Clark, uh, who is essentially the environmental lawyer who was offered the position to be acting uh, attorney general after Trump got rid of Barr. Um, oh, because Barr wouldn't, wouldn't play ball. Well, yeah, Barr basically got himself fired, according to this report. He called in a journalist, and he said some things about the election that he knew <laughs> Trump was going to get mad at. So Trump let him go because of that. Um, but I, I'm just adding that because you, what stopped Trump from appointing Jeffrey Clark to be acting attorney general of the United States is that Donahue, Rosen, these are officials within the Department of Justice, basically said, if you go down this road, everybody is going to resign simultaneously. All of the top brass of the Department of Justice would resign. So it'd be like, one day we'd get turned on CNN and you would see 40, 50 Department of Justice officials resign. And oh, wow. it would basically be over the appointment of Jeffrey Clark, who everybody knew was unfit to be uh, the attorney general. Um, acting attorney general. And once Trump heard that this was in fact going to happen, that all these high level officials, including, you know, other, uh, other, other government officials within the Department of Justice, high level, we're not talking mid-level. Uh, basically, Trump realized, oh, the bureaucracy would eat Jeffrey Clark alive. So he's like, okay, I won't appoint him. So what's, right. what stopped Trump essentially from appointing Jeffrey Clark, who was willing to write the letters and send the letters to the states to essentially create political chaos was essentially a threat to have mass resignations. But interestingly, there's a guy named John Eastman who also tried to help Trump. This is just a, a lawyer to Donald Trump who also tried to get uh, states to you know, change their electors. He tried to do anything. He basically was, was the one threatening Mike Pence, which I agree with you, Sue, was, was pretty scary to read because essentially Mike Pence could have gone and played along with them. They, he could have agreed, but he decided not to because he felt that there was no legal basis. And yet he was asking his friends. Um, yeah, and you know, yeah. one thing that's really hairy is that he he was he was told to get in the car with the Secret Service. Yeah. And there were plans to have him like fly out of state. And he didn't do it. He was either aware of it or suspected. He only trusted certain guys in the Secret Service. So he didn't leave the Capitol. If he'd left, that would have been the end of the counting that night. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really when you start I'm, to think about the things that almost went down. Yeah, I'm shocked that he didn't go. I honestly, I was shocked that he didn't go along with it. I, I, I totally thought that he was going to be like kind of wiffle waffy about it, like oh, I don't know if I should do this, you guys, you know. And then the 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 Congress would be like, no, you have to do this. Please do this, you know. Like I, I, he was just. He found yeah. like some backbone just at the last second, you know. Did you oh, hear yeah. who he spoke to to get backbone? Dan Quayle, of all people. Yeah, 
Dan, Dan Quayle advised him that it wasn't legal. <laughs> he took his advice. And, and that's why I think he did it. Every, everybody wants, I, I don't know if I, I necessarily agree that Mike Pence found a backbone. I think what Mike Pence is worried about is being prosecuted if he had mm. gone along with this. That's, he's that's a very fearful man. Bravery yeah, he's a very fearful. Bravery and stupidity again. Fine line. Yeah. Right there. Lives on, lives on the racist <laughs> edge. Fear, yeah. Fearful. Yep. Yeah. I think he knew that I can't go down with this. You know, one of the other things that I found very interesting, and Sue mentioned this to me uh, yesterday, was that when the mob began to attack the Capitol until Trump released a statement asking them to go home is 187 minutes. And yet nobody really knows what was happening in those 187 minutes. There's no recordings. There's just who was talking to him. There's just, it's a, it's a blank. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, there's no log sheet. No and log there must've been burner phones or something because they know they have the other side of some of the conversations, you know, which is how they know some phone calls were made, but they don't, yeah, they have no idea. It's, it's, you know, what was Trump doing? Yeah. But there's also another uh, uh, intimidation tactic that was tried that I, I feel like I, I want to bring up. And it goes to uh, two individuals, Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, mother and daughter, African-American oh, yeah. in, in Atlanta, who were essentially just counting votes, just doing their job. And of course, there's a video that comes out with them with uh, thumb drives and stuff like that. And once that is made public and amplified on social media, the police need to ascend. FBI uh, does an investigation just to see if there was any shenanigans with voting. They realize there's nothing. But then there are so many threats and intimidations against them individually that they had to flee their home. And they were wow. far from the only one from having to flee their home. So you could see how intimidation it happens to even people just doing their jobs and just being like, I'm not doing anything. I'm just counting these votes. This, it's just votes happening here in Atlanta. It's like, I didn't do anything, but then they're made a target just because they're there counting African-American women. So you can imagine the intimidation was intense. Just one quick thing, according to this report, one of the Oath Keepers who went to jail uh, had a hit list and the only people on the list was uh, Ruby and Shay. So it, it's, it's, oh, wow. it's yeah, you can see how the intimidation went to the individual level of of people counting votes, which essentially yeah. they they were willing to do. Uh, so so when That's you horrifying. Know, yeah, so you can see how it's a multifaceted strategy. There's it's it's. We're going in different directions here because we got to see what sticks, what works. Can we intimidate the states to decertify or even just delay? They were willing to take anything. If Mike Pence was willing to do anything for them, it would have changed the outcome of January 6th because they just wanted to create confusion. Let's get the FBI involved. Maybe they'll investigate. Maybe it's uh, the, the machines didn't count Trump votes, right? They were willing to pull at any straw in order to get the end. Because I think in this political world that I believe is actually maybe coming for all of us, it, it, what matters is the political ends. The means mm-hmm. to get to the end do not matter, right? If you have to lie, cheat, and do all these things, it doesn't matter. And it's, it's something Trump said to both Donahue and Rosen, uh, Department of Justice officials, I found very interesting. So when they were telling him, listen, everything you're hearing about um, 
fraud and Venezuela and Dominion voting machines. It's just bunk. It's not real. It's false. Here's his response to them. You guys may not be following the internet the way I do. I just <laughs> like to, to me, that sums up so much of, of, of the mentality, but it's, it, it goes into a, uh, how should we understand the internet? How should we understand the information we get? Can we be critical of it? Is everything right. we read on the internet true? I mean, it, uh, there's so many issues that come up with that that I think are really important politically uh, from all sides, because I think we all kind of read something online and we want to agree with it because let's say that's our website we go to. We like this author. Uh, we like right. Truthpatriot.us. Exactly. So you, you, yeah. yeah. So that <laughs> um, just reinforces your beliefs. So it's easy to just look at the internet and say, you know, by the way, all of this got started, by the way, on when election night, basically, everybody was sort of telling Trump, look, you lost, you lost. Sorry, guy, it didn't work out for you. And Trump mm -hmm. almost seemed like he was ready to accept it, according to this report, except a inebriated Rudy Giuliani comes in and says, no, nope. comes to the rescue. Comes to oh the rescue. <laughs> yeah. Declare just victory. <laughs> just declared yeah. victory. Oh my God. This was a, uh, I didn't see this. This was like an, a web extra for the, for the, for the series finale. I didn't see that part. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to, we're getting close to the end of the first half. I just want to ask both of you, um, because when I was looking at at this stuff, just really quick, do you think that this was like more planned or more just throwing stuff up against the wall to see what sticks? Because it, it just seemed like it was chaotic and there were a lot of moving parts. And I don't think like it just didn't seem like the uh, like the one hand was knowing what the other hand was doing. And then there was the other hand and then the foot, you know, like it was just all, and it just all coalesced into this chaotic, like explosion in January. It's not happenstance. Like, it all you, went in the same direction. They all it's went like the same direction. when the, yep. When the ball bounces downhill all the time, you know that it's downhill. I, Trump orchestrated it. He mm. found people who'd give him a piece, something, to hang his hat on and he he put it all in motion i mean i i got that from the report that he was behind all of it and really he found like people a, like eastman yeah yeah but and I think, you know i think it's both is an easy answer to to your question well, he uses chaos that's yeah. that's yeah. his yeah it, and yet it's it's there was some parts that were organized i mean we, i didn't go into it all that much but mm -hmm. uh the oath keepers and uh, the Boogaloo Boys and other individuals were involved uh, in, uh, in January 6th, and they were organizing themselves uh, in such a way where their goal was to disrupt, and they were certainly more organized. But in, in some ways, the, the large mob of thousands of people um, provide cover for the more organized elements to do their work. Yeah. And that's the way I understand it is, you know, a lot of people there just thought it was all stolen from them. So they were there protesting because they felt like my country's being stolen from me by, you know, Joe Biden and all of that. And so there are elements that are both organized and unorganized, and they actually can work together because the unorganized chaotic masses create the confusion needed in order for the more organized elements to do what they needed to do. 
but they clearly had no long-term vision of how to fix the uh, how to overturn the election and take power because I don't think they thought through their strategy. It's like, okay, you're in there. What are you going to do now? There's a bunch of police officers there. They're not going to just let you take over Congress. Right. And you win, right. So you just let's just poop on the floor and then leave. Like, um, I think we should uh, end end right there one for last now. Note. I'm sorry. Can I just add one thing? Yeah, um, Giuliani. Real quick. I know Dan is saying that it it wasn't planned, and you know the Oath Keepers did their piece. You have to look back at Giuliani in his race against Dinkins for the um, mayor of New York, he did the same thing. He organized the police to, to do all sorts of things to disrupt. And, you know, it was like a precursor. So I, I, I know it's chaos, but I'm arguing that it, it, the chaos was the instrument. Hmm. And if you look back, there was a couple of specials. CNN had one, I think MSNBC had one on Giuliani and his early life. You know, he was really good prosecutor against the mafia. But when he wanted to be mayor and lost, uh, next time he came back and he organized the police and there were riots and all kinds of things. And they shoved they shoved Dinkins out of office. So a black man. So anyway, I just wanted to say there's 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 a little more thought process than um, I think. mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah, there, there's a. I just want to say there, there is like an, a a similarity in Trump and Giuliani where they the chaos is where kind of they flourish. They live there, you know. But we should talk about that a little more um, in the next half of the show. Uh, so thank you, Dan, and say thank you, Sue. We'll be right back on civil politics here on Valley Free Radio, WXOJLP one hundred three point three FM. Just in a little bit after some PSAs and show promos. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Table of Contents is a weekly music program that assembles an assortment of songs and sounds of many genres, and which may entail literally taking a random collection of musical sources off the shelf and giving them a turn on the table or spin in a CD or tape player. Each week presenting shows which can at times be organized orderly and at other times perhaps be not as much so, yet never dull. Tune in Friday nights, 10 p.m. till midnight on WXOJ LP, Northampton 103.3 FM. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Hey, this is Wendy, host of Valley Free Radio's subculture music program, featuring new wave, post-punk, indie, and electronic music from the 70s to today. Join me every Friday night from 8 to 10 p.m. here on WXOJ, or stream it live from your favorite listening device at valleyfreeradio.org. The Forbes Library staff would like to remind you of the incredible resource that you have in your local public library. We have tens of thousands of books for you to check out, music CDs, movies, newspapers from around the region, the state, and the country. We have a wide variety of magazines and free computer and internet access every day. We also have our incredible reference services there to help you answer particularly vexing problems. All of this is free, locally available at 20 West Street in Northampton. So come by and check us out in person or at www.forbeslibrary.org. 
or call 587-1011 for more information. Tune in to Evidence-Based Radio, science and skepticism from a feminist and socialist perspective. Every week, we explore the interesting and important stories in science with a focus on the positive. Friday nights from 6 to 7 on Valley Free Radio, 103.3 FM, or at evidencebasedarada.com. That's 6 to 7 p.m. Fridays on Valley Free Radio. And we're back here on Civil Politics. Valley Free Radio, WXOJOP, 103.3 FM in Northampton, Massachusetts. I'm still not Michael Dow. I'm still here with not Michael Dow and not Michael Dow, uh, Dan, <laughs> Dan Torres and uh, Sue Timberlake. Um, Dan uh, is producer of Talk the Talk on WHMP and host of uh, the podcast Collateral Banter. So thank you so much for being with us, Dan. We're talking about the January 6th. A report um, that the two of you have poured over endlessly. Uh, and in the first half, we talked about like what basically the broad strokes and like what the what the plans were and how it happened. But now we're going to talk about the results of the uh, or the opinions of the report. So, Sue, you had a list uh, of uh, bullets, you said. Yeah. And and. Is that legal? <laughs> Not that kind of bullet. Yeah, just uh, you know, some some headlines. So, for those of you that didn't read the whole report, which I know there's most people didn't read the whole report. Like there's I said, an no pictures, note. no no run spot. I don't know how to read more than that. <laughs> On page 692, the end note, and it says the select committee has shared concerns about two specific areas of security with the committee on House administration. They don't tell you what they are. So I'll just leave that because I think that's a great way to end the recommendations that there were other things they recommended that they did not put in public, probably to protect, oh, wow. you know, the, the the House and the Senate and mm-hmm. the Capitol and so on and so forth. Um, but I wanted to start with number 11 because they have 11 recommendations. In this one, I had to think about it for a minute. But basically, they said they were troubled because the president was going to use the Insurrection Act. He didn't do it. But he was going to do it and round up all the voting machines or whatever he was going to do. And so they're really proposing that they take a good look at the Insurrection Act and see if it needs some um, some uh, boundaries or something. Uh, they don't say what. Well, you know, it's sort of weird because when you have a rogue president, I mean, think about it. It's really, it's uh, scary. Number 10 is interesting. You guys will find this interesting in the, in the era of TikTok and what's been going on in the news. They, they wanted um, people to the committee to investigate further the role of the media. And part of it is that, you know, what's, what's free speech? You know, what's hate speech? We've had a lot of discussions about that. But, you know, what is it that an algorithm can do? I mean, it can provoke people. And I don't know how we think about that. Hmm. Um, You know, a lot of the other ones, everybody will understand, you know, trying to make um, enhancing the federal penalties for threats to election workers, uh, full funding for critical security measures, um, making the subpoenas from the House of Representatives have a reach and have a cause of action and fines and statutory authority because they subpoenaed a lot of people who didn't show and they ran out of time trying to get them to come in. Um, Number six, I'm working backwards here. Uh, 
that um, certain criminal statutes, including adding more severe penalties for things for to deter unlawful conduct, threatening uh, the peaceful transfer of power. So something around that um, special date where they count the votes, that the Electoral College count, they want to um, make it a national special security event, which a lot of things are like um the World Cup is a special security event, you know, an inauguration is a special security event, but nobody thought anybody would attack the Capitol. Um, yeah. The fourth one is to relook at the 14th Amendment. And that's basically um, that. So even if you don't impeach somebody, you might be able to prevent them from ever holding office again because there's some loopholes in the law. Um Allowing the government to do more with violent extremism. I mean, after the 9-11, we passed a whole bunch of laws that a lot of people don't agree with, but they were people were scared. And so they extended the powers for international terrorists. And so the committee's actually proposing that they look at doing something similar. And I, I worry about that, but, you know, more like the Patriot Act. And then uh, specific conduct of attorneys. Um, some of the attorneys have been disbarred. Giuliani's been, his license has been taken away. I think Eastman's going to lose his license. They did things that were really, um, you know, absolutely against the code of conduct for lawyers. And, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it's just the local bar association that, that decides that. And they're, they're talking about making it more uh, a, a legal process. And then um, they cleaned up this one. They actually have passed House Resolution 8873, and it's the Presidential Election Reform Act. And it's just to clean up the language around that to make sure that, you know, it's clear that they're just counting votes that have been cast and that you can't retroactively change um, the outcome of an election. You know, the state, the state has control over that. And I think that was partially what helped, you know, get us through. January 6th without a coup d'etat because, you know, they couldn't overturn what the states had done and they were trying to. So I thought those were pretty good recommendations. Like I said, with those exceptions where I get a little nervous about, you know, how, how much you circumvent speech and how, how you, um, how you incarcerate people. And, you know, it, it's always a balancing act. So that's that's basically the January 6th report in a nutshell. <laughs> For those who didn't want to read the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages. So, um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's so long. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Dan, what, what did you uh, do? You have I anything just wanted, to add with the, yeah. with the, with any yeah. of that? No, I, I that was great that uh, Sue, you you brought up with the recommendations. Um, I just wanted to step back. And my concern is that the democratic process, democracy in America, let's say, has been delegitimized. Mm. And the danger I think listeners should be aware of is when democracy has been delegitimized, there is a potential for uh, democratic collapse in some ways, democratic dysfunction. And my worry is that we're in this sort of political feud between, on one hand, sort of like Trump and the right as sort of an insurgency where the right, I think, is coalescing around Trump to stop the left. And interestingly, the left is sort of standing behind like democratic process 
and democratic representative government. And the problem is democratic representative government is struggling to actually govern and fix the problems in people's lives. We're talk, I'm talking here, just broadly speaking, the economy. We're now experiencing sort of a banking crisis of some sorts, right? Mm -hmm. Housing prices are out of control. You know, healthcare costs, education costs, inflation. <laughs> Excuse me. When you add all that up, I mean, it, it, it's, it's really interesting to see a feud, if you step back, between forces that want to coalesce around a reality TV star who wants to take on the system. And the system is somehow now supported by, I guess, a broad spectrum of the left, not the hard left, who also see a problem with the, with the system. And they, in some way, coalesce with the Trump folks. It's like politics has this sort of circular connection among the more radical elements. And I bring all of this up because it makes me think of Rome and really does make me think of like Julius Caesar, um, you know, crossing the Rubicon and uh, unleashing essentially a civil war in Rome um, and the end of the Republic. I mean, for I think many people, this was the marker of the end of the Republic. And okay, this all sounds hyperbolic here <laughs> that I'm like not talking about the end of the Republic, but it, it feels like in some ways a feud well, that we're yeah, trapped yeah. in this in this sort of political battle. And um, and I don't think either side can really fix the problems, but it's interesting for me to see a political system losing legitimacy. And my concern is as people begin to read articles that Trump is going to be prosecuted, that just further erodes the legitimacy of the government of the government and the, 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 the judicial system in the eyes of Trump supporters. Now, maybe that shouldn't matter. Maybe we have to say, look, the evidence led our prosecutors to do that. But when you do that, you can't miss. You have to go in, prosecute, and convict, and it has to be overwhelming in order to prove to supporters of this individual that the evidence is overwhelming, which is why we had to prosecute. Because if you prosecute and fail, then you are just further delegitimizing the Department of Justice. And, the, the, and that's a further erosion of American democracy, which should concern everybody who lives within it yeah there's that's um yeah that, i mean that's a really good point i mean um uh like a, a few years ago like during the first um i forget what it's called when they try to remove a president impeachment, impeachment. thank you god yeah that, thank you <laughs> during the first impeachment i i don't know if you remember so i said if you take a shot at the king you better not miss right yeah gotta did. kill him <laughs> and look twice. At, like twice and it just emboldens them and that i think this is this is like what you were talking about is kind of the same thing like you, if you're going to arrest a former president you better have everything set like you better know that you're going to get a conviction and you better know that it's going to be like at the very least understandable to the broad strokes of the population maybe not like the like really specific people but um like for for the most part because if you don't then that's just inviting more chaos and that and that's why a lot of former presidents don't get prosecuted i think because there's there's either not enough evidence or 
the people don't want to invite that sort of insanity, you know? Um, but Sue, what do you think about uh, Dan's point, like about what we're talking about? Like, um, the- well, I think, I think it's true. We all worry if our, if, if government can really fix any of the problems and China makes that argument against us, basically saying that democracies can't get out of their own way. Hmm. You know, you need a good autocracy to, you know, protect people from COVID and do all this other stuff. And there's evidence to point the other way. But I don't know if you guys saw the AI story. There was, um, there's a, I forget, it's not, um, it, it's, um, they took a, it's a deep fake that they took when Trump announced that he was going to be arrested. Mm-hmm. A guy sat down and created a, a deep fake with, you know, some military people around him. And him being arrested and sort of the wind blowing and his hair up and he stumbles. <laughs> and, you know, the company that made the software, because the guy that did it didn't make the software. He was just using somebody's right. um, faking software. They took it down and they, you know, prevented him from using it again and all that. But they said it was pretty good. It looked really real. And it it really points out how susceptible we are to stuff. You know, if TikTok started saying, uh, well, if I, if I was on a website that I like and it said that Chris Christie had, had decided to run, I'd believe it. And it wouldn't be true because he hasn't decided yet. But I, you know, if I <laughs> saw it, I'd, 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 I'd think it was true. And it, and it's, it makes you realize how vulnerable we are to our prejudices and our inability to sort of get along and work together. And I, I do share Dan's worries about that. You know, I worry about the two women that were election workers that were hounded out of their houses in Georgia. I mean, it's and they were, you know, they were given one of them. The mother was giving the daughter a mint, I think a lemon mint or some or ginger mint. And they they said it was um, they were handing out flash drives. And, you know, and the Oath Keepers, Dan, you were saying they had they had their names on a hit list. I mean, that's that's pretty scary. Yeah. I almost feel like it's in the 60s when my friends that were in the um, uh, Students for Democratic SDS who got, you know, crap beaten out of them, they were on a list. You know, the police knew who they were. And and you you realize how close we are sometimes to chaos. And John, are you probably you probably know better than any of us how close, you know, how violent the world is and how close it is. To, I mean, yeah, um, I play a lot of video to, games, and I know I know how violent the world can be. Definitely, like like sometimes <laughs> well, you don't even get, you can't even find the green mushroom, and that's that'll mess you up. You know, like, I you, meant you get, you get I meant when you you're driving around in your car and you put your your um, registration in the over the oh, over the um, reality. Yeah, in reality. Uh, yeah, I try not to think about that. I'm trying to think about reality. <laughs> That's not where fun things live. Um, Sorry. Well, we, no, I think a lot like, of us yeah, are you're right. It's, um, we, uh, a lot of us retreat into our safe havens. Yeah, of course. I mean, there is. Um, I was joking, but but yeah, they definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. The the, the Sorry, I fell for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, you you you're right about the um, the the constant possibility of chaos and not just in like my life you know obviously like i i have a healthy fear of law enforcement um for i think a good reason but um just in terms of 
uh like what dan was saying in in terms of like the the how the how our how our democracy or how our system of democracy i think really specifically is is constantly under attack um and it's something that we always have to push back on and one thing that i i clocked in on when you were talking dan is about the um how the left like we're gonna go like into the left and the right thing right now but how the left treats democracy versus how the right does and Mm. like especially the the specific right the specific people on the right where uh they are really trying to just circumvent the uh the the issues and the powers that were that have been put in place that ostensibly try to make this at least a fair kind of system for you know a lot of people and left are like no we have to support this system it's they just need some tinkering you know like you just need to jerry rig a couple things and it'll work fine and when i'm when i'm looking at that like reading about that i'm like dude no (laughs) you need to like it's it's kind of like you're you're putting your faith into a machine that is breaking down and you need to put your faith into the people that are trying to fix the machine if that makes sense no it does more root causes yeah like the root causes or the root solutions like um if you you can't just say we need to fix the the voting system like we need to we need to make sure that everybody can vote you also need to say we need to make sure that everybody can go get to vote we need to say we 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 want to make sure that everybody can vote or um or like everybody that is in line to vote doesn't have to wait that long and things like that. There are so many, there's a web or a satellite of different issues that we have to cover to protect our democracy and not just like honing in on just like, we need the John Lewis bill, you know, and then then everything will have candy. It'll be great. (laughs) And getting bills is hard. Getting bills through Congress is difficult for a reason you know yeah. i mean yes it's the filibuster um but even if you could get through the the filibuster rule if in two years you lose the house and senate and potentially the white house then it could be reversed because mm-hmm. now that you've busted through the filibuster now the other side doesn't need to follow the filibuster rule um so it, it's interesting I, I just wanted to mention uh if you do prosecute trump and let's say he's found not guilty, it's going to force people like Lisa Murkowski, senator out in Alaska, Mitt Romney, and others who are on the more moderate spectrum on the right to be defensive of Trump and start claiming this is liberals politicizing the judiciary. And Mm -hmm. so it, it becomes even more dangerous when even some of the moderate voices who are tepid and are quiet, or at least try to push back quietly against the sort of more rabid uh, sort of Trump MAGA wing of the Republican Party, all of a sudden unite with them. Because I don't think anybody who's a Republican is going to be able to stand up and say, no, I'm glad the system prosecuted Trump, you know? Because, Sue? yeah. Well, yes or no. you know, 
<laughs> I I hope not. I don't think so because I think I think there's some people with uh, the moral clarity like uh, Liz Cheney mm. and Kissinger. Excuse me, I always screw up his last name. But you mentioned earlier sort of Caesar and crossing the Rubicon, and I always, whenever I think of Caesar, I think of also Cicero because Dan, you were saying it. Caesar, the ends justified the means. As long as you got what you wanted, which is a little Trumpian and some some real, you know, sort of mad dog people, you know, the ends justify the means where Cicero said the ends can never justify. I mean, the means bad means can never be justified by the end. You you cannot do bad things and have a good outcome. And it's it's you know, it's a really um it, it is an underlying current of many things. Uh, and I think democracy is much more like Cicero. And we do sometimes get caught up in not being able to get there because there's a showstopper of some right. kind. And, and, and I think democracy is messy and complicated and corrupt sometimes. And the officials don't get the problems or don't have solutions. I'm totally in agreement. But it's one of the few things that I hold very strongly in my core values and beliefs that you have to believe in democracy, no matter how chaotic, no matter how messed up things get, it will always be superior to authoritarian dictatorships. Just read the literature. Don't even trust my words for it. Go out and read what professors who've been spending their entire lives are writing about this. That's the real concern. There is no solution when you live under an authoritarian dictatorship, because the changes that you are requesting of the system will not happen. Mm. unless they want it to happen unless they want it to happen exactly right did you um remember last week i don't know if you remember genre there was um it's not glass steagall it's the other fellow that was the head of the federal reserve there's a Uh, something rule uh not greenspan well anyway (laughs) um bernanke got us through the banking crisis and that other fellow in the 70s got us through inflation, and they were both very talented, well-educated people. And now, right now, we're relying on Powell, and it's a banking crisis and inflation. And I, I just hope he's up to it because I am very worried about yeah, what's happening right are. now. I would like che- money to be in, worth things in the future. Yeah, because if, be really awesome. if he ch- checks inflation, he's, he's pushing more banks into trouble. Yeah. So it's a very... Um, well, everybody should look at their neighbor and try and make sure they're okay. <laughs> Go from you there. Know what? That is a really great point. Um, and collective, uh, co- like help, helping us, helping everybody out in your community, um, is, is something that we all should strive for. And, uh, honestly, Sue, again, at, at the end of every show, I always say, welcome, welcome to the left. Uh, we have cookies <laughs> and I'm glad that you have taken on the, the, just being a socialist, just really integrating it into your course. So really a good job, I think. Libertarian. Well, Dan's (laughs) point about Caesar, I mean, I really took it to heart because it's true. There's, there's, you know, there's not, it's a little troubling time. Don't forget, he took on a corrupt elite. The, the The Roman state, when he was fighting it, were terrible. It was collapsing. We have to, I wish, I, I wish we could talk more about Greek history because, but um, we actually have to wrap things up. I'm sorry to interrupt you guys, um, but, uh, you know, we have a lot of great shows coming up. 
um, we have subculture, we have table of contents, we have OK Asia uh, coming up after this show. Really great music, really great uh, DJs and everything like that. We have another repeat of this show happening on Mondays at 4 p.m. Uh, and so you can listen to us then and you can go to civilpoliticsradio.com. This show will be posted there and on our podcast feeds on the early morning in Saturday morning. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, We'll see you next week, and good night. Civil Politics is a member of the Planetside Podcast Network. To learn more, go to planetsidepodcasts.com.